Hi, everybody. Good morning. Hey, let's rise up, worship the Lord together. Good morning. Hope it's been a good week for you. If it hasn't, it's going to be a good morning. Let's worship the Lord together and sing with Gary as he leads us. Here we go. We've waited for this day. We've gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, burn our hearts with you're the reason we're here You're the reason we're singing Open up the heavens We want to see you Open up the floodgates A mighty river Flowing from your heart And filling every part of our
pray this together. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show your glory show us show us your power show us show us your glory Nothing, no, nothing can change your love. 
let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the morning to be reminded that, uh, and to repeat over and over again, that nothing uh, contains your love, nothing has a cap on it, and nothing can change your love. And um, yeah, thanks for uh, the reminders. We repeat that over and over because sometimes I think we live in life where, um, man, we think we've messed it up or jacked it up in a way where it's kind of beyond return or maybe... uh, uh, we don't even want to talk to you about some of those things that uh, we've done in our life. Um, but God, you welcome us back and you say, nothing changes my love for you. And I love you so much, my child. And uh, we'll be washed new today. So God, would you forgive us our sin today? Um, we come, we uh, confess, we um, ask Lord your blessing as we walk into your house. And um, God, that you will continue to move in our presence. And um, So, Father God in heaven, thank you for making the moon and stars. And Jesus, thank you for our salvation. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here now. And um, so this mysterious three-in-one triune God, uh, be with us today as the heavens are opened and you're here. So show us your glory, we pray. Uh, These songs we sing are not just opening songs for a set for worship, but it really is our prayer. God, that you would show us your glory and that you would remind us of how much you love us. So... Uh, Thank you for that reminder today and uh, for the opportunity to come together and pray that. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. We all say amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. Glad you're here. God's so honored with you taking time out to uh, meet with him today. Um, Hey, uh, we do this thing at uh, Hopevale called the meet and greet. Uh, Tell somebody hi around you. We'll see you back in just a second. Thanks. Well, good morning again, Hopevale. Hey, it's great to be here together. Just thanks so much for making it out this morning. Especially if you're a first-time guest, we just want to extend a special welcome to you. So glad that you joined us for worship this morning. And just trust that uh, God is going to use this service in your life in, in powerful ways to be able to speak to you right where you're at. Well, hey, my name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm the outreach pastor here at Hopevale. Also just wanted to take a moment and uh, recognize that we have a team going to uh, Guayamate, Dominican Republic this July. So we just want to take a moment to recognize that, share a little bit about that ministry and what they'll be going to do uh, and pray for them uh, as they are making preparations just a couple months away to go. Uh, So there's a picture of our team. Uh, We partner with uh, an organization called Team Hope that supports a a K through ninth grade school in the small town of Guayamate, Dominican Republic. And have just got a great uh, years and years of partnership, a history there, uh, supporting the school and their leadership, and most importantly, just uh, the kids there and giving them a great environment at the school to learn. And uh, we're excited to send our team down there. They're going to be putting on a, uh, an arts and science clinic conference and also be doing some construction at the school as they grow. They need more classroom space. And so uh, also at the end of this service, the team is going to be in the library. So if you want to go and just hear more about that team in particular or mission trips at Hopevale, we would invite you to stop by there. Uh, And also, if you want to make a financial contribution to that team, you can do that in the library. And uh, if you support them in that way, we put uh, your name and email address in a group so that that team can communicate specifically with you about how God is preparing them to go and to hear from them after the trip as well about how God worked in and through them uh, through that experience. So um, in just a moment, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and we'll prepare to take this morning's offering. And, you know, just so many of these things that are going on at Hopevale are things that we get to give towards as a church. 
and all ultimately for God's glory as he, his kingdom is expanded, not only here in our backyard, but around the world as well. Uh, so let's just look to the Lord as we lift all these things to him and prepare to give. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much uh, for this morning and the chance to be together, to gather in your name and to have the opportunity and the freedom to praise and worship you. God, because you are so worthy of that, you are deserving of that, and we just come before your throne humbly to recognize that you are God and we are not. And Lord, we want to hear from you this morning in, in real and personal ways for our lives. And God, thanks for this team of people who have made themselves available this summer to travel to Guaymate, uh, to build relationships with the people there, the kids, uh, the administrators at the school, so that uh, God, under the umbrella of your kingdom, that those people would just be brought together and be able to be used in very real and practical and powerful ways in the lives of those students. And God, we pray for that school, God, as they seek to give the kids uh, a great education, uh, but most importantly, to know you through that education so that they can go and, and change their country over the years through the inside out. And God, thanks for just the, the small role that we get to play in that. And so I just lift up our team as they prepare to go, God, that you would uh, provide for all of their needs as they make preparations, as they plan out the, the art and the, the science conference and all of that, that content, God, uh, that you would just knit that team together, unify them as they go to serve in your name. And Lord, just thanks for the opportunity that we have as a church to support them, to pray for them. And so we just want to, to be able to do that as they go, to support them as a church, uh, because God, it is all about you and your glory. And so even as we give of our tithes and offerings this morning, we ask that you would take and use them in very real and powerful ways for your kingdom. Uh, God, we love you and look forward to how you're going to speak to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, just remain seated for a few moments. And, uh, we'll get you up when it's uh, time when the offering's being done, being collected. So if you were with us last week, if you joined us on Easter, we sang this song. It's a song we love to sing around here. Just wrecks us. We'll sing it again. Sing this with me. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathe your life in me. You have been so, so kind.
So, Lord, we as a people keep coming back to this place to be reminded of that, to be reminded of how much you love us and how much we're in your care and how much we need you uh, day to day. So, um, God, we thank you that uh, you've kind of tilled our hearts some so we could um, give you thanks and uh, kind of prepare a place in our heart for, uh, for hearing this time in the word. So we ask your blessing on Pastor Sam as he uh, prepares to come. 
And God, that you would bless the words of his mouth, that they would give you praise, and that we would be able to hear what it is that we need to hear to be able to draw closer to you and uh, worship you more and serve you more. May you find us doing that until our ending day. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. God bless you, friends. Have a seat. I'm Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we want to say a very special welcome to those of you who are worshiping with us in Bay City, at Hopevale Bay City. Uh, it's so good to be able to say we're one church worshiping in two locations, right? That's so exciting, and uh, my family gets the chance to go out there every once in a while, and uh, it's just it's awesome to see what's going on out there. So we love you guys in Bay City, and uh, welcome to our service. Um, we have been talking about hope for the past few weeks. Um, this series, Hope for Everyone. Pastor Dan talked about uh, week one that um, it's not too late, that you can live uh, most of your life, most of your life, um, and you know, there's still hope, that, that it's never too late for you to experience the hope of Jesus. And then week two, he talked about you're never too far. There's, there's nowhere you could go. There's nowhere you can run. There's, you can't outrun God's love for you. You can't outrun the hope that God has for you. You're never too far. There, there's nothing that you can do that would be too far away from God's love and God's reach and God's hope for you. And then last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus with Easter, uh, the, the resurrection that, that says that it changes everything. This one event that changes all of life, all of history, the resurrection of Jesus. And that has been so exciting. And it's this hope that it's not only this collective hope for all of us, but it's, a, it's an individual hope for every single one. That's why we've called this series Hope for Every One. Well, this morning we're going to uh, wrap up this series by taking a look at our future hope, at an eternal hope. Back in 2003, uh, my wife Sarah and I, um, that was the year we got married, and so we were newlyweds, and I was a middle school pastor at a small church, and I was just getting to know some of the families, and uh, one of the, the girls from our middle school group asked her family if they, they would invite myself and Sarah and our worship pastor Danny, his wife Wendy, and their daughter over for dinner after church one Sunday. And uh, we were excited about that. You know, we didn't have any kids, so we're like, yay, party. Um, so we uh, were like, yeah, we're totally, we would love to come over. And uh, Danny and his wife and their kid, they were like, yeah, let's do this. So um, it was uh, one Sunday night. And this family, we lived in this place called Kokomo, Indiana. And this family lived in a place called Walton, Indiana. Now, if you can imagine, if Saginaw Township represents Kokomo in this situation, Walton is kind of like Sanford. Okay, so it was a little ways away. And I mean, this family drove every single Sunday from there to our church. And so that's dedication. But we were like, all right, I, I, but I'd never been to Walton before. And so I looked at the worship pastor, Danny, and I said, you're going to have to lead on this one. You're going to have to drive. I've, I've never been out there. I don't know where I'm going. This was before, you know, GPS was popular. This was before, um, you know, smartphones and all that kind of stuff. This is when you had to take out that old thing called a map. 
or you had to go to like mapquest.com and get driving directions, like the little line by line, and you're reading the paper trying to figure out where you're going. And I didn't want to do either of that. So I just said, you're going to have to lead the way. He goes, yeah, sure, no problem. And so we got out there, we drove, we had to make a few turns here and there, but then there was this straight shot mostly all the way out there. And Walton is like this little one stoplight kind of town. And so we passed that a little ways, and then we uh, crossed some railroad tracks, and there was their house out in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's corn everywhere, and then there's their lone little house. And I was like, this is kind of cool. They had a pool, all kinds of stuff. And so we had a blast there with that family. We, we spent most of the day with them. It was like 9, 9.30 at night before we, like, realized, Sarah and I didn't have kids, so we didn't even realize, like, oh, you could stay too long. Um, <laughs> But we looked around and we were like, oh, they probably need to get to bed tomorrow's school. So we were like, all right, we need to leave. And it was really dark outside. And so as we're, as we're leaving, I, I lean over to Danny and I'm like, you're going to have to lead again because I was not paying attention when we were driving out here. I was just following you. And he goes, yeah, no problem, no problem. So we get in our cars, we cross the train tracks, we get on this main highway and we're driving. And a little ways down the road, um, Danny flips on his right turn signal. Uh, to go. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so I know we have to make a right turn at some point, but this seems a little early. And I thought to myself in this moment, I thought, you know what? You know, Sarah and I are newlyweds. Maybe we just got into such a great conversation. We're so in love that like, you know, maybe 35 minutes just seem like five minutes. I don't know. And then I looked down the clock and went, no, it's been five minutes. Um, so I'm thinking, well, maybe he knows a shortcut. So I pull off with, you know, we go off this road with them. I turn on my signal and we go five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes down the road. I think the moment where I realized we were lost was the third small stoplight town that we drove through that I didn't recognize. And I, I thought to myself, oh, what in the world? And I see Danny put on his right blinker and pull off to the side of the road and a thought runs through my head. What if that's not Danny? What if I've been following this guy for 30 minutes and he's finally had enough? He's like, why is this guy following me? Like, so I'm like a little fearful. Maybe I shouldn't pull off next to him, but I do. And I pull next to him and I look in the, it is Danny. And he rolls down the window and I roll down mine and he goes, I think we're lost. And I wanted to say, but I didn't. I wanted to say, you think? <laughs> and he goes, I don't even know where we're at. And so he, I looked over, and there's a sign right next to this town, and it said Young America. Now, for, some, for most of you, Young America means nothing to you. But if you can imagine, you started off in Sanford wanting to come back to Saginaw Township, but you ended up in Clare. Um, so this, it was like, and I, I found that out later, but I'm looking at Young America going, I don't know if I want to be in Young America. This is not, I don't recognize this at all. And he goes, I don't know where this is at. And so... We come up with the idea, maybe we should just drive back the way we came. So 30 minutes back in the, the direction that we came from, back to the road that we were at, we finally get there, it's called Highway 35, and we pull off there and we keep going. A few uh, miles down the road, Danny turns on his right blinker again. And I look over to my wife and I say to her, no. I'm not turning right. I'm not following this guy anymore. We're just staying on this road. And she agrees with me. Um, and so he turns and goes off that way. And I'm like, see ya. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Back in 2003 in Kokomo, there was this, um, there was this water tower that they had. And um, it was about a mile away from our home. I have a picture of it. We can put that up on the screens. Um, this is the water tower in Kokomo. It has these little red and white checker things. It was really big. 
And on top of that water tower at night, there were red lights, like beacons that were, would flash. And they told me when I moved there, they said, if you ever get lost out in the county, if you're like 20, 25 uh, minutes away, and you don't know where you're at, just look up. Because that you, you'll be able to see this water tower from about that distance with these red lights blinking. And so we're driving down this road, and I'm, I'm looking around. I'm going, searching, you know, where's the water tower? And I see it. I spot it. There's nothing quite like when you're lost seeing something that gives you hope, right? And so I'm like, there, there it is. And I pointed out to Sarah. I'm like, I'm just going straight for that. The road was pointed right at it. We're going for that. That's where we're going for. And so we're driving. And then the water tower starts to move. Or rather, our car starts to move because the road is no longer pointed at the water tower. It's going this way, and the water tower that was in front of us is now to the side of us. And I'm going, no, I want to go that way. And then it's behind us, and we're driving this way, and I'm looking for every right turn that I could possibly find, and there is none. No right turns. And I'm going, I don't know where we are. We finally get to a stoplight, and I look up, and it says... U.S. Highway 31, and I take a a breath because 31 is the main road that goes right through Kokomo. And I'm like, how did we get here? I had no idea, but I knew that I knew where I was at, and I was able to drive, and we followed the the water tower all the way back home, and it was awesome two hours later. Um, (laughs) And I tell you that story this morning, not because it's a funny story. It is a funny story. I tell you that story, though, because if we're honest, life can be a lot like that drive. Now, what we, what we hope is that life is like the drive in the afternoon, right? It's a straight, straight, easy shot. We get there, no problems. It's all a piece of cake. We can see where we're going. But if we're really honest, life is a lot more like the drive at night. It's not a straight shot, easy, right to the end, but it's rather a lost in the dark, heading to who knows where with the gas light on. We don't recognize the signs, but we're looking for a beacon of hope kind of journey. And if we were honest with ourselves during this journey, a lot of us, while we're living our lives and we're going about this whole thing called life, we begin to ask ourselves a question. And it doesn't matter what you you believe, it doesn't matter what you taught, what you're convinced of, what you're certain of, at some point, you ask yourself this question. When life is over, when all of this is said and done, when time comes to an end, what's next? What is there beyond this life? What's at the end of this journey? And this is a question that has plagued every human being that's ever walked upright on this planet. We wrestle with this question, and there's a simple reason why we wrestle with this question. The reason why is because we are all looking for something to place our hope in. Every single person is looking for something to place their hope in. We're all looking for a story of hope for our lives. Every person, no matter what their belief system is, no matter what they've been taught, they're all looking for hope. Let me me say it this way. Maybe you're here this morning and you would consider yourself to be an atheist. Someone who doesn't believe there's a creator, doesn't believe there's a God. They don't believe that um, there's anything even beyond this life. There's just this life and that's it. But even if you would consider yourself to be there, and if, you're, if that's you, I just want to say thanks for being here. I know that this, this place can be kind of tough for people who are there in their life. And so just thanks for being here if that's you. But an atheist also has hope. And here's what the atheist's hope is. The atheist's hope is that this life is good to them. 
because there's nothing beyond it for them. And so they're, they're thinking, you know, if, if there is nothing beyond this and I get dealt a bad hand in this life, that's tragic. And so the hope for the atheists that they're hoping for, the story that they want is that they want this life to be good to them. Or maybe you're an agnostic person here, um, and an agnostic person is someone who, who they won't go as far as an atheist to say there is nothing, but they would say, I don't, I, there's no way you can know. There's no way you can be certain. All we have is what we can experience. And so I'm not going to go as far as the atheist to say no, but I'm not going to go over here and say there is. I'm just going to kind of live in this uncertainty of I don't know and I can never know. But the agnostic, if they were honest with you, and I've met several people who would consider themselves to be agnostic over my lifetime, they would, they would say this, that their hope is that they're wrong. Their hope is that they're wrong, that they would be pleasantly surprised in the end that they were wrong and that there was something good for eternity. That's the hope that the agnostic has. The, or maybe you're neither of those, but you would consider yourself to be a pretty religious person. The religious person, no matter what kind of religion that they are in, they're looking for hope too. And their hope is that they have the right version of what to do to get to the other side. That somehow that this life, in this life, they could do whatever it takes to appease whatever God it is they worship. And so they could do enough so that God would gain, would gain favor with that God so that they would get eternity with him. That's, that's the religious person's hope. The follower of Jesus has a story of hope that they're looking for too. But unlike the religious one, you know, the, the follower of Jesus doesn't place their hope in what they can do to make the God happy or in what their philosophy of life is. But the follower of Jesus places their hope solidly in two events. One event we celebrated last week, the resurrection of Jesus, the, the event that changes everything. They place their hope in that event. And then they place their hope in an event that will happen, the return of Jesus. That one day Jesus will come back and he will return and he will set and make things new. The resurrection of Jesus is the, the biggest event that we place our hope in and then we place our hope in the return of Jesus. But how you view that event, the, the return of Jesus, Eternity, how you view that future reality will shape your current reality. Let me say it this way. How you view eternity will ultimately shape your reality. How you experience this life, what you do in this life. And we all probably have what I would call a headcanon or like uh, things that are, the, this is the way it's going to go. When it comes to the events of the end of the world and what that will look like or, or be like or whether we will be present in any of it. We probably, if we were all to get like in a, a room sitting you know, eye to eye with each other and talk about what we think it's going to be like, we probably all would have a ton of different stories about how we think it's going to go. Um, and we also have a, a lot of images and thoughts when it comes to eternity and what life beyond this life is going to look like and be like. And, and those thoughts and images can actually begin to shape how we live out this present life, our present reality. We, we probably have all kinds of images that we've seen or been exposed to about eternity. Um, some people have images of like floating away in clouds with wings and harps and we're gonna be singing and all this stuff in the skies and that's their view of eternity because they watched Looney Tunes when they grew up. Um, or, or maybe some of the images of eternity that are stamped in your mind come from Renaissance paintings or maybe from Hollywood movies or, or something like that. 
we all have all these kinds of images. I remember going to a camp with some high schoolers and hearing uh, the speaker talk about a funeral he went to. And the pastor was, that was speaking at the funeral was, was going on and on, um, and they were all sharing stories about this guy, Bill, um, about how much he loved cooking and eating chili. And so they just said that was, that was the major theme of this funeral. And at the very end, the pastor gets up and he's getting ready to share um, the hope that this man has. And, and what he shares is this, and it was very disappointing to the speaker. He says, the pastor got up and he said, well, I guess Bill's up in heaven cooking a really big bowl of chili for God. And the speaker says, I can't, the speaker at this camp said, I can't believe that at the moment you could offer people a solid piece of hope, you went with chili God. But we all have these images of what eternity is going to be like. You know, when I was in middle school, I used to think heaven was going to look like Jack and the Beanstalk meets a weird family reunion. Where there's like this castle up in the sky and the clouds that we finally get to. And there's this big gate and you go up and they have this list and is your name on the list? Yes, okay, go on in. And there's like your family members and friends and people you don't even know high-fiving, cheering you on. Yay, we're so glad you're here. How was your trip? And you're like, oh, it's okay. I got lost in young America. Um, (laughs) We all have these images in our minds of what eternity looks like. And you may be asking yourself, well, Sam, why does it matter? What does it matter? It matters because this, where you place your hope beyond this life will determine how you live in this life. Where you put your hope beyond this life will determine how you live in this life. Our beliefs often drive our behaviors. What we believe and how we believe often drive how we live our lives. But here's the good news. The good news is that we don't have to imagine what eternity is going to look like or trust Hollywood's version of it. The Bible actually lays it out for us. And and what we see here this morning as we read this, it might actually be surprising and it might subvert some of your mental images. And that's okay because the Bible is meant to do that for us. The Bible is meant to help us understand reality. So God goes so far as to tell us this is the way things are going to end. And he gives us the end of the story in a book called Revelation. And here's what I want to say about this. He he gives us the end of the story, not for us to try to figure it all out, not for us to make charts and graphs and hold seminars, write best-selling novels, to make Kirk Cameron rich, you know, uh, not for us to try to figure out if these are the days that are the last days that we're living in or the end times, because guess what? Ever since this story was written, everybody has thought their time was the end times for 2,000 years. So that's not why this was written. He gives us the end of the story so that you and I have something solid that we can place our hope in. That's why he gives us this. That when everything around us feels uncertain and out of control, that we can have peace because our hope rests in what God has already revealed. That's why he gives us the end of this story. So the book of Revelation is actually written by a guy named John who was a very close disciple of Jesus, actually one of Jesus' best friends. And near the end of John's life, he was arrested and he was exiled to this island called Patmos. And on that island, the scripture tells us that God gave him a vision of how everything is going to end. And he asked him to write these things down. 
And it was as if God was rolling back the curtain of time little by little, and John was writing down everything that he saw. Whether or not he understood what he was seeing, he, didn't, he just wrote down whatever it was that he saw. Maybe it was about the future. Maybe it was about the current events that were going on at the time. Whatever it was that he was seeing, though, he was writing it all down. And so John writes down all the events that are taking place. And then he comes to chapter 21 of the book of Revelation. And it takes an unexpected turn. It takes an unexpected turn. See, for most of us, when we think about the end of the world, when we think about um, how this is all going to go down, we think of things like you know, apocalypse images, judgment, doom and gloom, wrath of God kind of stuff. And it's in there for almost 20 chapters in the book of Revelation. That's the reality. That's what's going on. But then he gets to chapter, the end of chapter 20, beginning of chapter 21, and he makes this drastic turn. And the end really looks a lot less like destruction, death, and chaos, and it looks more like life and beauty. So I want to go there this morning, Revelation chapter 21, and I want us to see the reality that God wants to show us about the end, about eternity, and what that is like for a follower of Jesus. Look what it says here, Revelation chapter 21. John is writing, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I want to stop there for a second, and I just want to point out a few things, because there's a lot going on in this passage of Scripture. He says at the very beginning, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had, had passed away. In the Greek language, there's actually two different words for the word new. There's the word neo, which if you were to try to, to quantify what that means, neo is kind of like new, but there's never been anything like it before. It's this brand new thing that's never existed before, that's never been around before. All of a sudden it's new and you're like, whoa, I've never seen that before. That's the word neo. There's another word in, in Greek that means new and it's the word kainos. And kainos means new, but it means more of like new in quality, unused. Like it's, it's not, never been worn. It, it looks like it's brand new, like it's, it's been renewed or restored. It's kind of like when you have something that's old and tattered and ratted and you take it, to, take it to somewhere and say, I need you to restore this. And then it's gone for a couple weeks and it comes back and you're like, that was my couch. But it doesn't look like it was my couch anymore because they've just done such an immaculate job of remaking and renewing it. That's what kainos means. And John intentionally uses the word kainos when he says new heaven and new earth. It's actually, think about it like this, it's actually resurrection language. Because he says, look, the, this earth, this new earth, this new heaven, it's, it's not something we've never seen before. It's very familiar, but it's new. It's like it's never been lived in. It's like it's been remade brand new. It's like 
The first heaven and first earth were destroyed and there was death there, but somehow God has resurrected from the death into new life. What a beautiful image, right? Because it celebrates what he did with Jesus on the cross, burial and resurrection, and what he's doing in every one of our lives who are followers of Jesus, raising from death to life. And he says, I am in the business of restoring and resurrecting things from death to life. And there's a new heaven, kainos, and a new earth, kainos. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away into death, but God has raised up and resurrected a new heaven and a new earth, a restored heaven and a restored earth. And then he says, there is no longer any sea. Now maybe in this moment he's looking at it and going, this looks so familiar, but there's no water there. Maybe it's literal. Or maybe what he's been doing the whole book of Revelation is this metaphorical idea that the sea is the place where evil comes from. Because he said that a couple different times. He talks about the sea and then there's evil that rises out of it. And so maybe metaphorically, he's trying to help us understand that this new heaven and new earth, it's very similar, but there's no place where evil comes from, which fits with what he says for the rest of it, because he says, listen, there's this new Jerusalem that comes down. And at the time he's writing this, Jerusalem and the temple had been destroyed and are in rubbles. And now he's saying, look, there's a new Jerusalem coming. God is resurrecting even that from the death. There's, there's this beautified thing happening here. And then he says, God is going to be with the people there, the old order of things is passing away. It's gone, but God is in the business of restoring, and he's taking away the evil there. And I love what he says at the end. That he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. There's no more evil. God is resurrecting and restoring and renewing things. And this last verse there about wiping every tear from their eye. You know, before I was a dad, that was just a theological thing in my head. But man, it meant something bigger when I had kids. When my son Nicholas was two years old, he's 11 now, when he was two years old, we were playing soccer out in our backyard and, and I was kicking the ball back and forth to him and he got really excited. He wanted to give dad a big kick. And so he went and ran up to the soccer ball and he went to kick it and he completely missed and he hit the top of the soccer ball and he, it slipped out from underneath him and he landed on his leg and I heard a snap. And in that moment, I did what any father would have done. I ran over to him and I picked him up and he's screaming and he's crying and big alligator tears are running down. And I'm freaking out, to be honest. Like, I've never had this experience before and I knew something wasn't right. And so I picked him up, I carried him back in the house and I, I tried to, like, stand him up to see, you know, are you okay? And he could not put any weight on it. And I was like, oh, no. And I'm just hugging him and I'm holding him and he's crying and I'm wiping the tears off of his face. And this verse comes back to mind. That this is the imagery that God chooses to use when he talks about restoring things. It's this picture of a father holding their children and all the pain and the sorrow that they have felt. And he's just wiping those tears away and hugging them and holding them and saying, it's going to be all right. I'm here to protect you. I'm not going to let anything hurt you. All of the bad stuff is gone. I'm not going to let that in. I'm just going to be here with you and hold you. That's the imagery that we see here. And maybe you're here this morning and your life has looked like an in the dark lost looking for some kind of hope journey. And your life has been full of things like tears and crying and sorrow and pain and maybe even touched by death. 
God promises that the hope that you can cling to is that there will be a day, one day, where he will do away with all of that. And like a loving father, like a loving parent, he will be right here with you, wiping your tears away and taking away the pain and the sorrow. And that's something to place your hope in. He goes on to say this. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Kainos, restored, resurrected. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this and I will be their God and they will be my children. Hope, eternal hope is found here. God is in the resurrecting business. He resurrected Jesus from the dead and by faith his desire is resurrection for you too. And he, he desires resurrection for you because he wants you to join with him in proclaiming his message of resurrection to the rest of the world. Because where you place your hope beyond this life will determine how you live in this life. And so if your hope is renewal, restoration, resurrection, if that's what you, you can see through this, then that's what will become important for you as you live out this life. It's no longer just going to become, oh, look at this, what I get to get. It's, look, look what I, I need to share. That God is, is in the business of resurrecting. And he's doing that to me from death to life. And he wants to do that for everybody I come in contact with. And so here are some critical questions about all of this that I think we need to ask ourselves. Number one. What does God want to resurrect from death to life in you? What does God want to resurrect from death to life in you? God wants to write his eternal story on your life. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and he raised him to life to show victory over death is in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 1 to 10, look what he says. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And look, look how he matches right here in verse 10. He matches not just what you believe about it, but how it, how it should make you live. Because what we believe about beyond this life should affect how we live in this life. He says this, for we are God's handiwork, a better word, word there in the Greek, it, it's translated masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
God is in the business of raising things that were once dead back to life. He did it with his son, Jesus Christ. He wants to do it with you too. God wants to raise something from death to life in you. And maybe you are here this morning and you've been holding resurrection at arm's length. And you've been saying, I'm not sure I want to go that route. And my question for you is, what are you waiting for? God wants to renew, restore, resurrect life in you. God not only wants you to believe in the resurrection of Jesus, he wants you to experience the resurrection of Jesus and place your hope in that. So what is getting in your way of going all in through faith to experience the resurrection of Jesus for you? My second question is this. What does God want to do through you to help others experience resurrection? What does God want to do through you to help others experience resurrection. There are probably some people that are coming to your mind right now that you're like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if God would raise them to life? Wouldn't it be awesome if they believed, if they embraced resurrection, if they experienced resurrection? So the question is, what does God wanna do through you? What's the good works that God has planned and patterned in your life that he wants you to accomplish to help others experience resurrection. Guys, the title of this message is, It's Not Over. And it's not. It's not over. Easter, yes, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and we say, that it's the moment that changed everything, but it's not over. It's not over. And maybe for some of you, life may feel a lot more like Revelation 1 to 20 for right now. Chaos, death, destruction, like just the weight, the sorrow, the pain, all of that. And if that's you this morning, I just want to say this to you. Hold on. Because Revelation 21 is coming. Resurrection is coming. New is coming. Kainos is coming. And God wants us in the meantime to be a Kainos kind of people who are all about sharing resurrection with others. So what is the hope for everyone that we can cling to that should drive our lives? It's this phrase that Jesus said to his friend John. He said this, I am making everything new. Kainos. I'm in the business of resurrection. We should be too. Let's pray. God, we... uh, We thank you for the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that it brings. And we look forward to the return of Jesus. We look forward to eternity and the hope that gives us. God, there may be somebody here who needs to experience resurrection in their own life to give them hope and a future. So God, I pray that they would come face to face with that, that they would stop holding it at arm's length and they would just step across the line of faith and embrace it and say, Jesus paid it all for me. He rose again from the grave to defeat death to say there's power in the name of Jesus and I want to believe that, I want to trust that, I want to experience that for myself. I pray that anyone who is here who may be thinking that would just take that step in their life and believe and trust and accept God, for the rest of us who maybe have already done that, 
God, may, may our lives be challenged by that statement, I'm making everything new. That you're in the business of resurrection and you want us to be in that business too. That we would, um, that we would go after restoration. That we would go after renewal. That we would ask ourselves on a daily basis, what is it that God, that you want me to do here to help promote resurrection and promote renewal in the stories of the people that I rub shoulders with. God, may we be a people who have our hope in that and who extend that hope to others. In Jesus' name. Stop.
resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me.
God is a God of resurrection. He wants to renew and restore you and those around you. And so as we leave here, may you go in the resurrection of Jesus and may you go and declare the victorious name of Jesus to those around you. Thanks for being here.